the incomparable. Number 419, August 2018. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and the summer of Marvel continues with, it's very exciting, a couple movies that we have not covered on the show, even though they were released, and that, and actually quite enjoyable. Next week, we'll talk about Thor Ragnarok. This week, we're talking about Doctor Strange. Oh, uh, I'm a week early. Oh, um, no. Tony Sindelar, did, did you sign up for the wrong movie? I don't know. Can we make a deal? Jason, I've come to bargain. I, I don't uh, know how this works. Sure. It's something like that. Uh, and now, uh, Nathan Alderman, uh, we've also come to bargain with you. Hello. Hi. You can't see it, but I'm making some totally sweet Ditko hands over here. Excellent. Excellent. And Aline Sims. Hello. So it's this for all eternity? <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. I, I could do this all day. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Doctor Strange is a movie about the master of the, the mystic arts, or as they say in uh, a later Marvel movie, uh, we have wizards now. <laughs> Earth has wizards now. Uh, yes. Yes, indeed. And this is the movie where we learn all about them. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Now, before we got started, we were all impressing, as Americans, we were all impressing each other with our fake American accents, a la Benedict Cumberbatch. I think I'll do that right now. <laughs> hamburger, hamburger, bang, bang. I was bang. Just say, you need an R word. <laughs> yes, this is my really? American accent. I am doing an American accent I right may be now. from New Jersey. Or perhaps there. from Rhode Island. There is a state in between those. We call it Connecticut. Mm, there's no R's in C- Connecticut. Yeah, well, sorry. A, I, I yeah. went for geographically correct. Or geographically correct. Here's, here's, my, here's my thing. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is a very enjoyable actor. And most of the time, I just let his accent go. Every now and then he would say something and be like, mm, dialect coach, where were you on that one? You missed that one. But uh, you know what? I, I think, and, and he looks the part too. So it's like, I, I applaud them for casting Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. I think he does a good job, but his accent is a little weird. Yeah. And as far as I know, there are no actors in America that they could have cast. No, so they were, they were really locked into a, a corner with this one. So And Stephen Strange absolutely positively had to be American. There's just no plausible way that an intelligent British man could be a high-powered surgeon in New York City. Yeah, surgeons and wizards. In I mean, I know they have wizards in England. Don't get me started on that. Oh, but I don't boy, think they have. Tony, okay. that's I, <laughs> legally distinct. But yes, yeah, they do. Yeah, but I don't think they have a healthcare system there, do they? How would that work? It's magic. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you're right. I did have that moment when I first watched this film where I thought to myself, could they not have just said that he was English and he moved to New York and was a big doctor in New York? Could they not have just and let him? But not in the comics, apparently this is just one of those kind of slavish devotions to the comics. In the comics, he's American, so he's American in this. Um, I'm going to let a uh, little uh, little hint out here, which is every time I see this movie, I I enjoy it greatly. I am surprised that it is not more widely approved of by people when they talk about great marvel movies there are a lot of things i really enjoy in it and i and yet i kind of understand why people don't talk about it because i'm always taken by surprise by how much i love this movie when i watch it which is i i guess that's something there's something about it perhaps they cast a spell on you or something i don't know same i went to this movie i was never a big doctor strange fan and i found myself really enjoying it and every time i rewatch it like you i get a big kick out of it yeah there's a lot i mean there's action and there's action of a different kind and there's visuals and there's there's some there's humor in here which is kind of funny because you might not think that you might think this is oh it's very serious and all that but um as my wife and i were watching this last night she just kept saying to me yeah it really helps when 
there's a light a light touch and there are jokes and things and there are there are funny things in this movie it's not all very serious about oh wizards it's very serious and in fact my favorite joke my favorite thing not even joke my favorite line in this entire movie is uh mordo saying to him no it's our wi-fi password we're not savages as he walks out of the uh of the uh the room that he's going to be staying at to be trained in the mystic arts i love it it's hilarious and this movie was made by guys who are best known for horror i the the name of their their well-documented franchise escapes me but um but yeah scott derrickson and, and c robert cargill are known for doing horror movies and going in i expected this to be a, a scary movie which it wasn't or at least slightly scarier than most of the marvel movies and i was not expecting just how funny and how effectively funny it could be it even has physical comedy which i appreciate i'm not an appreciator of physical comedy especially you know like Three Stooges type stuff, not funny to me at all. But the the physical comedy with the cape, really, I mean, oh, it really cracks me up every time I watch it. Yeah, yeah, the cape is uh, funny. I, I think actually some of the battles, some of the very clever ways that they changed like gravity, basically, and people are falling down and stuff. I think it's actually mm-hmm. kind of, cle- it's clever, but it's also kind of funny. Like, it doesn't, it's not exactly like a graceful... <laughs> I think I think it undercuts the fights a little in a in a good way. Like, you know, no, you fell down there. You you were you were almost there, but no, you're you're not. But yeah, the cape is the cape kills. The cape is great. Um, also, that there's that uh, nice bit where he is sticking his hand through the little portal, stealing books from Wong from behind Wong in the library. That makes me laugh. That's a good that's a good joke. Yeah. As Wong listens to Beyonce. All right, well, I'm going to walk through the plot a little bit. The plot is actually very straightforward. I really like how how straightforward this plot is. Um, we begin in Kamertage, the secret place where all the magic people train, and Mads Mikkelsen is there. Mad about Mads. Um, he is yes. evil. He's Refer- super- reference acknowledged. Thank you. He's super evil. He's Kykilius. And uh, this is where we learn that it, being a magic librarian can be very dangerous because this magic librarian is caught and his head is chopped off and put in a jar. Um, and they steal some pages out of a book, at which point, I mean, my wife is a librarian. She didn't like that the librarian got his head chopped off. But when they ripped the pages out of the book, that was beyond the pale. <laughs> These guys are evil. <laughs> and, they, and, they, and they run off, basically. They're, they're, they're pursued by someone in a hood who we never really quite see. It's the Ancient One. We'll get to her later. Um, and uh, there's some mi- twisting kind of geography and stuff. And they, and they run away. And that's the first kind of like, that's your, that's your cold open to Doctor Strange is the theft of some pages out of a mm-hmm. book. And they, they, they establish right in this fight scene that there, there's going to be some pretty wild visuals in this movie, uh, which I, I mean, I saw this in theaters originally and I'm really glad because this is, this has some of the, perhaps the coolest visuals of any of the Marvel movies. It does. I love watching mm-hmm. this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's full of things I've never seen before, which is always, yeah. uh, I'll give a movie high marks if it can do stuff that I just haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the inception on steroid stuff that it does in, in the mirror dimension is great, but um, we'll talk about it later. The, the final battle sequence mm-hmm. is fantastic. Yeah. 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 You're right. The, in, a lot of this stuff is obviously kind of inspired by inception by way of monument Valley. Um, and there mm-hmm. is, there is a particular shot that is very much an, a monument Valley homage. And that apparently the visual effects people said much later that that was absolutely the inspiration was the game monument Valley. Um, but uh, Nathan, yeah, we'll get there at the end. When I describe this movie to people and why I like it, one of the things I say is, 
it's very rare that I see a movie that literally has something in it that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. And the final fight scene, I've never seen before in a movie, and I love it. So, but we'll 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 get there. Matt Mickelson, though, good kind of like we get the idea. There's a there's like a cult of some kind. We don't know what they are, but they've stolen things. You know, obviously from a locked up book. It's people should not know this this information, but they've taken it away, and it's scary. I am also mad about Mads, uh, but. He- he's he kind of he's you know he's not the most developed marvel villain and that you know no. that's saying something <laughs> you know? you i mean a, a lot of his menace is carried through in his uh his makeup basically it's, that's, yeah, that's, got, that's got, doing a, a lot of the backstory and in, in him being mad mickelson yeah yeah that's true that's true too i mean yeah. he's not he, he's kind of not the big bad like he causes trouble but mm-hmm. um, it's a it's structurally it's really funny, right? Like he he is trying to steal stuff and then and the world. But at no point, you know, at the end of the movie, you know, they have to fight him. But like he's not the problem. The Dormammu Mm-mm. is the problem. He, he's, he's opening the door to the problem. He's just yeah. the sucker who is opening the door to the problem. And mm-hmm. I think that's a different way of having a Marvel villain. And I I enjoyed him. I think he in this series we've had a lot of conversation about who the least interesting uh, Marvel villains are. Um, the, I think the, the uh, in well in Civil War the villain is is feelings. I think vil- feelings yeah. is the yeah. villain in Civil yeah. War. Yeah. So and in Ant Man <laughs> yeah. they've got the guy who's in Cross and he's not very interesting. But you know he's it, yeah. He's, it's not that big a deal here. Uh, you know, Cacilius is, he's there to move the plot along and he's a sucker who, who's been taken by Dormammu's sweet, sweet promise of eternal life. And of course it's going to be uh, a con because of course it is. But, uh, but I think again, he's, he's a good secondary bad guy to move the plot along. He's got magic and he's causing trouble and he's a cultist and uh, that's kind of all you need out of, out of him. I think. Yeah. They should, they funny. should just, you know, they should do yeah. more screening in their cult for who they let in. Like, it's just like, Probably. like all of you guys have eyeshadow. I don't know. We should, well, you know. I got the impression like, that don't they get zapped by like the dark dimension, like by the yeah. book or something. And that's what, yeah, when, when they get the, in that's the, where their when goth- they steal gothiness the book, yeah. comes from. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Yeah. Okay. So now the movie does the origin story thing, which some people get frustrated by. But I uh, I enjoy it. We we meet Stephen Strange. He is a neurosurgeon. We meet him in his hospital. He's um, he's uh, it's Benedict Cumberbatch with his accent. And I, again, I wrote down: Is he from New Jersey or something? Like again, it's not quite right, but he's trying very hard. Um, and he's debating with Rachel McAdams, who is uh, who is in this movie a lot as his colleague slash ex, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he's saying how he's meant for more important things. And she says, Oh yeah, all we do in the ER is save people's lives. And I think that, uh, such a good place to have Rachel McAdams in, in this scene and in later scenes where she kind of grounds Stephen strange as a human being a little bit, or at least you can see where he started. And also as sort of like the voice of reality, because he is first off, he's uncoupled from reality on his own ego trip. And later he's uncoupled from reality on magic. Um, and she always is just grounded in reality. And I, I like that about it. And it is a, it is a, uh, there is a scene that they have where he basically tells her to get out and then, and she leaves. That is, it's tough, but it felt, it felt pretty honest to me from where those characters were, which is she's trying to, you know, trying to get him to snap out of it and also taking care of him during this disaster of a, 
of a car accident that he's about to have in the plot synopsis, and he uh, he is totally obsessed and doesn't care. And it's a you know you can see why they were drawn together and why they don't work together. I think I really love about that scene is also that she just like she doesn't yell, she doesn't like they have a confrontation and she just like walks out. Yeah, and that's it. And I really. I love that. They've had that conversation 50 mm-hmm. times before and she knew it was probably coming and she's had enough of his crap. Like it's all there on her face. Yeah. I feel like her character is really underdeveloped in the script, but, and almost there's almost no reason for her to be in the movie, except you wouldn't feel how much of a jerk Stephen Strange is if he didn't hurt her. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. difference between Rachel McAdams and Natalie Portman in the Thor movies is night and day. They're both working on really <laughs> poorly written characters. The script has done them a grave disservice and Rachel McAdams just shows up and is like, I'm going to give this 110%. Mm-hmm. And she does. Uh, that. There's a scene later in a broom closet with a, a mop that falls over oh, and she boy. jumps up and screams. It's uh-huh. one of the funniest <laughs> scenes in the whole movie. It's a beautiful, you know, it, it's her last moment in the film, but it's it's indelibly funny because it's just so, I, I almost wonder whether they didn't tell her they were going to do that. <laughs> and that's a genuine reaction they captured. But yeah, she's she's so good in this movie. And even though her character is is so poorly written, I feel like it would be a much poorer movie without her in it. It's funny because one of I really I love this movie quite a bit. And I went into it thinking that I would hate it, especially um, around like issues of casting diversity. And one of the things that people were like, well, yes, we did cast a white woman as like this person who probably should be, you know, like Asian mystical arts type person, like actually an Asian person, not someone who's supposed to be Celtic from however many centuries ago. And, um, but one of the arguments I saw was, well, we have two really strong female leads in this movie. And it's like Rachel McAdams is, she's important in it. Um, I mean, like she saves his life and, you know, they could have had someone else do that, but it, it just cracks me up because it's like she could have been she could have played a stronger role. She could have been more developed. Um, we know nothing about her except that she exists to ground him. And um, she did. She does a great job with it, though, with with what she has. Yeah, she she's I mean, she exists to ground him is it's absolutely true. And I think completely necessary in the movie, which is why she is in this movie. And it's not a series of kind of random people uh, because it does. I mean, Part of the problem with this movie, and probably there was a note at some point in the writing of this screenplay saying, you know, he is not on the plane of anybody else ever, right? He's a genius, brilliant brain surgeon, and then he is a super wizard, right? And Rachel McAdams' part at several points where she appears is, you're right, there's not a lot there, and she's not in the movie very much, but like the time she is on screen is so important for the movie to connect with like real to reality and to and to con- contrast that i think with with how unreal dr strange's life is and first it's in this negative way of like he is just an egomaniac and he's deluded and he's brilliant but he's awful and then in the second part it's the reaction to you know, you know, you've been gone a long time and now you are doing magic, I guess. And uh, so, so yeah, she could, she could do more, although, you know, this is kind of his story and not her story, but like for the, I guess what I'm saying is I'm making the argument that like per second of screen time, like she does a good performance and the character, I think super important to making the movie work. 
that she's mm-hmm. there. Yeah, they could have done more with her. I'm, I guess I'm judging it because this is based uh, in part on a comic book miniseries called Doctor Strange: The Oath, written by Brian Vaughn and drawn by Marcos Martin. And her character's in that, but there she's the Watson to Doctor Strange's Holmes as they work together to solve a mystery. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I guess I was I was hoping for a little more of that, but I agree with it with everything you say. It's tough. They're, they're, I mean, like Wong is a classic Doctor Strange comics character, too. And although he gets some moments here, you know, there's not there's more Wong. I feel like there's as much Wong in Infinity War as there is in this movie. There's, you know, we get Wong, but there's not a lot of him either. There's not a lot of this movie moves pretty fast and there's not a lot of time for a lot of the ancillary characters. I feel like this movie's greatest strength is also the cause of a lot of these weak points that we're pointing out. And that's that um, even more than Civil War, I think this is thematically one of the best written Marvel movies. It's an intense character study in every single aspect and so many callbacks throughout the plot of Stephen Strange, of of what drives him, of what his problem is. It's the story of a man battling his own ego. And Mm -hmm. that plays out in numerous clever ways all through the movie. But as a part of that, as part of that intense focus on Strange that I think works really well, they kind of have to neglect all the other characters, and I think they they fill that in with really good casting, so that even when those folks aren't necessarily central to the plot, they're memorable because they're played so well. So uh, we learned an important lesson in this movie, which is not only should you not text while driving, you should not examine medical X-rays while driving. <laughs> what? Yeah. Like I know you're an egotistical man, but but Jason, goodness. I'm untouchable. Yeah, that's right. And you turned down the chance to fix Rhodey's spine, dude. That's cool. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that. I think that's. It's. It, I think it's actually probably somebody who worked for Hammer Tech, uh, and not and not Rhodey. So, you don't think you so? Uh, I think. I think uh, the Marvel fanboys have done the timeline. Uh, they, have they? It, uh, it, yeah, it so. sounds very much like it's Rhodey. But uh, yeah. I guess okay. I think it's that poor person from the that video they show where Hammer Industries is trying to replicate the the Iron Man suit and it like folds in half with somebody in it. So uh, okay, I think that in terms of years, it's that. So, so sorry. So this car crash, uh, mm-hmm. horrible surgeries. He's got pins sticking out of his hands. He can be mean to new characters now. Yes, and that yes. car crash is visceral. That car crash yeah. is really—you feel every bang. Yeah, and bump. I mean they show the glass going into his hands. It's yeah, and he goes on a quest. Now his obsession is about himself. Is how does he heal so that he can do surgery again? Because his hands have ner- nerve damage and they're shaking. Um, and at one point, uh, as part of you know him being a jerk, actually a side benefit is that he makes this. He demands this information from this guy about um, somebody that a physical therapist saw who got his legs back. And it turns out it's uh, Benjamin Bratt from uh, TV's Law and Order, among other places. Uh, so weird. I know. Just it's that that's his bit, and he's playing basketball, and he's Pangborn. And uh, he says that uh, he got his thing by going to uh, going to Camertage, uh in Nepal, and uh, and so he's like, "All right, Stephen Strange uses the last of his money to fly to Nepal to find Camertage. He uh, is found by Mordo, who is played by Chiwetel Ejiofor, another. Boy, a lot of good actors in this movie. Um, and and in Camertage, he is then uh, given a uh, little presentation by the Ancient One. Uh, also some tea. He's also given some tea. And, with a bit of honey. And with a bit of honey. Uh, but nothing else, and that's Tilda Swinton. So there, this is a lots of good actors are in this particular monastery or whatever it is in Nepal. 
Everybody, I am an American, and I need to take a break to read about a sponsor for a commercialized podcast. I'm not going to do the whole uh, thing as Benedict Cumberbatch as an American, I swear. This episode is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you have access to a suite of powerful hosting options with prices starting at $5 a month. That's mind-boggling, $5 a month, and you'll be up and running with your own virtual server in the Linode cloud in under... A minute. Whether you're just getting started with your first server or deploying a complex system, Linode is the right choice for you. Linode offers the fastest hardware network with fantastic customer support behind it all. It's never been easier to launch a Linode cloud server. They guarantee 99.9% uptime for server availability. Once your server is up, they keep it that way. I use Linode for all of the stuff that the Incomparable does and for my other websites as well. I have a Linode server in the Linode cloud in their Dallas data center. Super fast, super reliable. It's great my whole business is based on my Linode server. Now, Linode has fantastic pricing options available. Their plans start at 1 gig of RAM for $5 a month, and they've got high memory plans too, starting with 16 gigs of RAM. And as a listener of this show, you can sign up at linode.com slash Snell. That's L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash Snell. And not only will you be showing your support for the incomparable, you'll get $20 toward any Linode plan, which means if you do the math, Oh, wait, that one gig of RAM plan for $5 a month, that's four free months of a server on the internet in a super fast data center. And on top of that, seven-day money-back guarantee. So there's nothing to lose. Go to linode.com slash Snell to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit, or just use the promo code Snell2018 at checkout. Thank you, Linode, for keeping my entire internet-based business afloat and for supporting the incomparable. This is probably a good time to talk about Tilda Swinton. So she's playing the Ancient One, a character that in the comics was an old Asian man. Um, And she is neither Asian nor a man. Um, And there was a controversy about this, and we've touched on it. It's worth talking about again. Um, I, I can see both sides of this in that I can see that there is... Uh, a real act of Asian representation in movies in general. And to take a character that was always an Asian character and make them a white character is a problem. Um, I do, I do have some sympathy for the argument that the ancient one is a stock orientalism kind of representation. It's literally like stock casting and that the character as written in the comics itself is so problematic that you know maybe you know but they used it like they didn't sweep it away they used it and they just recast it as a white a little white lady um so what you know tilda swinton's great and she's great in the part i i don't know if you have thoughts about the decision to have her be this character i think now would be a good time to share them when i first heard about it i was like oh cool they're gender flipping the ancient one it won't be he won't be some gross old stereotype but yeah, when I think about it, I think the, the the solution is obvious and simple and two words long, and it's Michelle Yeoh. But uh, unfortunately, they, they cast her in Guardians of the Galaxy in a cameo uh, in, for a movie that will probably never get made, but that I am dying to see. Uh, if you tell yourself you don't want to see Ving Rhames, Sylvester Stallone, and Michelle Yeoh be space thieves with uh, a talking computer voice by Miley Cyrus, you're lying to yourself. <laughs> but, but yeah, Michelle Yeoh would have been fantastic and solved every single problem simultaneously because she she can't do stereotypes. She's too awesome and classy for yeah. that. And she she always brings such an interesting and distinctive personality to every role. But Tilda Swinton's not bad. I do I do wish that they'd cast a woman and I do wish that it had been not a white woman. Um I I feel 
just from the standpoint of these conversations that we continually have about representation and diversity, um, as a white woman, I do appreciate that we're having them, but I just, I, and I, I appreciate that there's also movement, but I would like to see it be more than just like, Ooh, we have white ladies. Now the movie is diverse and representational because that's not accurate. Uh Um, and so, and, and I, it's insulting to be like, Oh, well, Tilda Swinton, she was clearly the best person for this role when there are to the point previously made, there are plenty of actresses who could have done this, um, who are not, who are not white, who are Asian, Weird, st- weird, weird choice too to keep the like I said, keep the kind of mystic Orientalism trappings, yeah, it, right? Like they could, yeah. they could have gone to some like out in the Ireland or somewhere, right? Yeah. But instead, they're like, no, 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 it's Nepal, like, and it is kind of yeah. like a Buddhist uh, monastery. It's I like, mean, it, it feels like really <laughs> the way you could have done it was to like to like do the work of like how do we go beyond a stereotype, and instead they feel like they came up with a clever way to not do the work yeah yeah <laughs> I, I feel like at some point they're just yeah. like look we cast an actual uh you know asian guy who's literally named wong as wong let's call it a day mm. yeah and that's how you get that's how you get the end up with the weak singular representation in movies right which is like well we've got yeah. one that's all we need and we don't need any more mm-hmm. like well really yeah set, set in nepal and that's all you got yeah it's it's the hard thing where it's like our ancient cult is surprisingly diverse but also surprisingly few asian people for you know a cult set that lives in asia right so yeah, yeah. part of it too is that they're trying to walk this line between being as true as possible to the source material uh while also adding um while making diverse strides um, and trying not to offend the people who want uh, the mystical sorcerer thing to be exactly the same as it's been for however many years Dr. Strange has existed. I get that they have a fine line to walk with that. Um, but on the other hand, it, it's, it's still just a mystical sorcerer. <laughs> and they, yeah. You know, I know, I know you don't want to upset people because it affects bottom line and that kind of thing. But Marvel is in such a strong position of power right now with these movies that they can do a lot more than this. I have to say the, the casting of Tilda Swinton is brilliant in the sense that she is a very good actress and also has this very kind of strange otherworldly aspect about mm-hmm. her. And so, you know, She's good in this movie and I think is a very memorable character, separate from the fact that it is a little bit baffling of like, well, we're going to take an Asian character and make them white, but we're not going to bother, as Tony said, doing any of the extra other work because we're going to leave it pretty much as it is. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't they didn't clear out the Orientalism. They just cleared out a part for an Asian actor, which is not that's not probably the best choice to make, but it's the choice they made. But she's yep. great. And I, I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to speak ill of Tilda Swinton. I, no. I get why they cast her because she yeah. does bring a, an otherworldliness that is very fitting for the ancient one. But it's uh, you know again. But there are lots of other issues at play. I will say they do kind of at least somewhat rehabilitate the character of Wong in the in the comics. He starts out as as kind of a your stock 
you know, manservant character, he's, which is yeah, already kind he's of like squicky. a houseboy, basically. Yeah. And and they've make him better over the years. Uh, but but here, you know, he's Strange's colleague. He's he's you know never less than an equal, if not Strange's well, superior. He's, he's superior, yeah, right. Around the library, right? And he he gives him a yeah. talking to about like, no, 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 you don't touch those books. Like those books don't leave here. I'm a big Benedict Wong fan. I don't know if you guys have seen Marco Polo on Netflix, but he is the reason to watch that show as Kublai Khan. For me, that performance is up there with Ian McShane as Al Swearingen in the ranks of great antiheroes. And so, yeah, I love the the gruffness and the swagger that he brings to the role and also the the ability to poke fun at himself. He he this that may be my favorite performance in the movie just because he's so he's not doesn't have a lot of screen time, but he's so kind of lovable, gruff, but lovable. I, I, I love. Yeah, I love him. He's great. I love that he he's reads the, in the riot act in the library, and then I love yeah. him later when he's trying to solve the the problems and save the day. I mean, he's like he's kind of the closest there is to a normal person uh, on the magic side of this movie, where he's just right. like, I have a library and I'm maintaining it, and everybody else in this cult is fighting with each other in some kind of weird civil war. But I, you know, my books will be in the right order. Stop <sighs> it, people. <laughs> That's right. Last librarian didn't it didn't end well, but he's got an iPod. Yeah. He's listening to some music. It's mm-hmm. fine. It's all good. All right. So Doctor Strange, uh, Stephen Strange, he learns he he learns that there is more to the world. He gets a tap from the uh, from the ancient one that puts him on like a little bit of a trip. He thinks there's something there's some LSD in the in the tea, but it's just tea. And he realizes that he needs to be taught. And there's a nice moment where she says, "How did you become so great at being a surgeon?" He says, "You know, y- years." of learning and she's like well there you go and he's like all right teach me and he's a very obviously he's a brilliant driven person who when given a a task will commit himself to it and so he fully commits to learning the mystic arts including uh that time that he was on the side of mount everest and was left for dead by his teachers and i love that scene yeah what always kind of surprises me is that i i I think every time I watch this movie, I figure this is the point in the movie where he will learn humility and become a better person. And nope. Not really. Nope. <laughs> not that movie. <laughs> not till the end. Yeah. Uh, and even then, like, eh, you know, I mean, he, he, he doesn't make people to. call it's, him the sor- yeah. Sorcerer Supreme, you know, it's... I don't know. I feel yeah, like yeah. at least, uh, unlike Iron Man, where, like, Tony Stark was born being smart and is naturally gifted with machines, at, at least here you see Stephen Strange studying really hard yes. and learning to be a magician it's just not just like oh i can just do this automatically with a snap of my fingers is he though i, I like that it shows him working and studying i mean he has a photographic memory it's not like yeah but I that's a know. real thing that people do have no i know but real people are also really good at machines too so i don't know like i i think they're both equally believable and yeah he's suffering in the way that tony stark had to suffer in that cave building you know a robot suit right. out of scrap metal so right. he's put he's putting in his hours for his his training montage i'm, I'm giving it it's an accelerated course but i'm giving him credit for it he gets to eat oh. apples it's great i love yeah. a training montage i uh everybody knows that and i i uh, i'm a big supporter of the mid uh midlife career change which is what dr strange has to do here he's like ah, how about a wizard i'll be a wizard um and I like the um, I like the those scenes in the library again with Wong, and he ends up uh, basically using the eye of Agamotto to wind time back and make that apple not eaten and then rotten and then not eaten again, and then he uses it on the book to wind it back so that he can see what was on the stolen pages, which gives him information about how 
uh, Kakelius is is looking for eternal life, and he wants to use uh, he wants to summon Dormammu, and that also the Ancient One may have been siphoning uh, power off from Dormammu in the Dark Dimension in order to keep herself alive, uh, which is a very scandalous. Apparently, apparently, that's what I that's what I hear, and um and then there's this th- then there's this big moment which I think is really interesting, which is he. Basically, this is the moment where Stephen Strange realizes who these magic people are and what they're doing, which is they are the magical version of the Avengers. They are protecting Earth. It's described yeah, I mean, the they Avengers explicitly say that. They, yeah. they literally they're like the Avengers protect the Earth from these kind of threats. And we have the, the magical threats. There are dimensions everywhere. People there are a lot of bad dimensions with bad stuff in them. And we protect the Earth. And literally, Stephen Strange is saying, I don't want to do that. I'm not interested. I just wanted to heal my hands. I quit. As Mads Mikkelsen attacks, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. blows up the London Sanctum, blows Stephen Strange back into the New York Sanctum, and sets off the rest of the plot of the movie. And this time, I really appreciated that moment. That that really, like, that moment where you have to take a leap of, like, why would this guy who we've m- met and we've learned so much about, why would he ever agree to flip yeah, over to being a hero? And the answer is, no, he disagreed, but then <laughs> things got out of control. Yeah, the chain of events. Yeah, he, he rejected the call to action, and the call to action said, well, too bad, there's an explosion. So, And there's guys running down a hallway on the walls at you with knives, and the knives don't really look like anything. Deal with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, and you get a cape. Yes. Yeah, and so that and that leads into a really great action sequence where mm-hmm. again the magicians and 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 I think it's it's leavened by the fact that um, at this point in the movie we're like he's not very good at this right like no yeah he he doesn't have a lot of experience he almost froze on Mount Everest he's 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 getting better he turned time back and all of that but he's 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 a novice. And these guys, these cultists are trying to kill him and take over the, the New York Sanctum and they smash him through, through, you know, glass cases. And he ends up, uh, that we, we're told earlier in dialogue that your, your magical icon or whatever chooses you. And then the cape, uh, swoops in to save the day and lift him up the cape of levitation, which is part of his outfit. Um, and he's got the eye of Agamotto and he manages to, um, in the, that fight scene, he uses the little, like, the windows that go to different parts of the world to, like, knock a guy out, and then he turns the channel so that they can't get mm-hmm. back, which is a nice, clever thing. And, you know, he ends up, uh, uh, the the cape, in a very funny scene, he's trying to go get, like, a weapon, and the cape mm-hmm. keeps pulling him back, because that's not where he's supposed to go. And finally, he realizes that the cape, it's like the it's like the magic carpet in Aladdin, mm-hmm. right? It's basically what it is. It's, it's kind yeah. of alive. Um, and it, and it realizes that there's this thing you can throw on Caecilius and it'll, it'll, uh, capture him. And that's what he finally does. And, uh, and Mads Milkelson tries to talk to him and you can't hear him and doesn't understand what he's saying. So he takes off the thing. Another funny scene, a lot of good stuff in here where he's kind of learning as he's going that he's being threatened. He's trying to stay alive. He's trying to stop this guy. He's trying to mm-hmm. learn about what this cape is doing. I believe this is the part where Mads Mikkelsen does the, we're not all that bad. See it our way. And he's like, uh, right. look at your face. That's Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Matt Mickelson's character does not have the greatest motivation. I think, like, someone no. briefly mentions his family died and he's sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's about have you it. heard the good news about Dormammu, though? <laughs> yeah. He wants to end all suffering by also ending time. But, like, really, like, you know, don't open up 
portals to another world. That's like there's, you know. I mean, yeah. his motivation yeah. is just, just as believable as Thanos's when you get down to it. Yeah, and also his is a lot more like compact. <laughs> like Thanos yep. has been working on his for years. That's true. So, that's true. Yeah, yeah Thanos um, has kind of like the yeah. loony manifesto. Like somewhere, Thanos has like an old typewriter with a huge stack of papers where he's mm-hmm. he's written out like all his whole rationale <laughs> for killing out mm-hmm. the universe. This yeah. guy's just like, yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, eternal life sounds good to me. I just I don't know where he got all these followers. That's what I'm, you know. It's what well, I'm concerned about. Yeah, you know, I always did, wonder that about cults, though. Yeah, well, especially because the r- fatality rate is yeah high, so you just have to be recruiting and training all the time. Henchmen, it's not a good line of line of work. Do no. better, kids. Stay in school. The um, um so he he gets uh Mads Mikkelsen, uh, but he is uh still being he get he's still being attacked and he gets like stabbed right, and he has to go. Mm-hmm. He has to he has to crawl through a portal which he barely makes to the hospital and this is where Rachel McAdams comes back again and she's trying to save him and we get another I think a very clever fight scene which is he leaves his astral body appears sort of like a ghost to her to explain yes. sort of what she needs to do to keep him alive and then as she's trying to stabilize him in the operating room his astral form and the astral form of one of the cultists have a knockdown drag out yeah. through the walls of the hospital this is not the scene i think nathan and i were talking about that comes <laughs> at the very end of the movie but this is also a pretty remarkable inventive yeah, i have never scene. seen a ghost ghost ninja fight before this is you know <laughs> so th- this movie delivers a lot on uh it's 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 got major areas of weakness but it delivers a lot on things you will never see before and ghost ghost fight over the corpse of one of the ghosts that's yeah i have not seen that nope. and i've seen a lot of a lot of movies that could be improved by that uh, <laughs> it, it reminded me pleasantly of the frighteners there's a sequence in that where Michael J. Fox leaves his body, drifts through a hospital where there are scenes of, you know, p- alive people fighting in the same frame as dead people fighting. And, and uh, yeah, I liked it. And he has to explain, you know, what he's been doing, which he can't really do to make Rachel McAdams. It does lead to that moment where he, uh, after she's stitched him up and he's managed. So he figures out in a clever moment that the, the, the CPR charge kind of like, sup- or not the CPR, the, uh, the uh, paddles charge. Get gets gets get him to have like ghost powers to blast the other guy, and so he's like, "You got to shock me harder the next time," <laughs> and that that kills the other guy, and um and then she stitches him up, and uh, she doesn't believe anything he says until they walk in the door of the mop closet, and there's a, a glowing uh, portal there, magical portal, and then when it closes, the mop falls, and she screams, and it's funny. Hello again, it is your American friend to tell you about another sponsor of this episode about Doctor Strange on the Incomparable. Oh boy. Wow, we gotta stop that. Uh, Let me tell you about SaneBox. SaneBox is a service that fixes your email. It's that simple. I bet everybody out there listening to this podcast knows something about like why they hate their email. And that's why you need to try SaneBox. It's not practical to select all and hit the delete key and delete all your email. There's probably something important in there. One of the problems is all the email looks the same. You just got this raft of email. In fact, I just cleaned out my email box yesterday and I had like 2,000 messages in the inbox, 400 unread. It was a disaster. I need SaneBox. I actually need to sign up for it because this cannot go on. Um, At a glance, it is very difficult, so difficult to tell what messages you need to keep, what messages 
messages you need to file and what messages you can delete. Imagine getting your email pre-sorted before it even hits that inbox. That's what Sanebox does. It's pretty good, right? It sorts through your email. It moves all the trivial stuff to different folders. So the only messages in your inbox are the ones you need to look at. And the great thing is it works seamlessly with your current system and with any app. One of the best features of Sanebox is a thing called the black hole. All you need to do when you get a message that you don't want is move it into that folder and you will never hear the likes of that message ever again. It's like magic and you don't even need to do the spinny thing with your hand like Dr. Strange. You can also send email reminders, snooze your email, a whole lot more. Uh, You definitely need to check it out. Get a little more organization in your inbox. And we have worked with SaneBox to get you a great deal. You can go to SaneBox.com slash Snell today and you'll get a two-week free trial and an extra $25 credit just because you listen to the incomparable. You don't have to enter your credit card information unless you decide to buy, so there's really nothing to lose. Check it out today and get your email finally under control. SaneBox.com slash Snell, S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com slash S-N-E-L-L. And thank you, SaneBox, for sponsoring The Incomparable. Uh, Kakilius is on the march, and there's nothing more to be done um, Mordo, has, uh, Mordo and Strain, or what? Mordo and Wong are there, but it turns out that Cacilius is gone. Um, they, uh, there's a fight with uh, then a big. This is the your big Inception fight mm-hmm. in New York in the Mirror Dimension, where the all the you know buildings are wrapping around, and there's crazy kaleidoscopic kind of visuals happening. It's there's, so cool. There's kind of a weird jump in the movie here, where there's like a fight, and they run, and the bad guys go away, and then it turns out the bad guys are only like one room away, like yeah. they're still in the lobby, which is a little weird. It felt like a Dungeons and Dragons moment, where like yes, we chase them away, and it's like no, they're just in the next room waiting for you, um, which it, it makes it feel a little weird because it's it's like we want to have two fights um but yeah the uh the mirror the mirror universe fight is uh is pretty impressive and there this is why i could never be a wizard there is a lot of running when you're a wizard right <laughs> like they seem to just be like tom cruise love mission impossible level just running things and running, running constantly and- like and it's like man you guys are wizards you can't fly but no they have to run everywhere uh it's it's exhausting <laughs> I couldn't do it. No, no, it's very tiring. It's very tiring. And and yeah. they're bending, you know, reality and trying to trick each other and do all those sorts of things. And this is the, uh, you know, Dr. Strange thinks he's being very clever in starting this fight, but it goes wrong uh, pretty quickly. And ultimately, the big reason for this all thing is that uh, the Ancient One is wounded and um, Cachilius escapes and they they take her to the hospital and um she's basically her heart stops and steven pops out of his body we see it sort of like falling to the floor uh starting to fall to the floor and he and he sees her astral uh form and she he follows it and she's outside and then you get this really quiet scene with tilda swinton and benedict cumberbatch where she says i've seen so many different possible futures and they never go past this moment and there's in the background there's like a helicopter flying and there's like a a thunderstorm and there's lightning and you can see the whole stretches of lightning so time is slowed down to to nothing and she's basically saying i know that this is my last moment and that i'm about to die on that operating table and i just want to give this one last look and i'll talk to you about what i think you need to do i've seen a lot of potential in your future but for me i never see past this moment because this 
is my end. And I think that's, I love that scene. I think it's a really, I mean, it's good for the plot because it's like, oh no, but the mentor is going to die now and what are we going to do and all of that. But also it is kind of beautiful in that like I could freeze <laughs> this moment and put off my death for just a moment, but I know because I can see these the future, I, I know that I can't see past this point and this is my end mm-hmm. and all of us have that end. Even me who stole power from the dark dimension, yeah, yeah, for to, to get more life, I know that in the end it's going to get me too. Yeah, it's it's just, it's a great for pacing where it's like, she literally has seconds left to live, but she's going to slow those down and they're going to have their nice little conversation and she's going to tell him what he needs to know going forward and, you know, at, at a casual pace. Um, yeah, the, the one thing that throws me a little bit is there's the kind of the reveal in the fight before she's killed that she has apparently been using uh, the dark powers to extend her life. Right. And then she dies. And so... It, it, I don't know. That's it. Feels a little like a confusing side. I mean, I guess it's a it's a lead up for Mordo being, you know, yeah, having feelings how later. We get the next movie, <laughs> yeah. Like, it, but it feels like does that does that matter in this movie? Um, I no. Yeah. But, it, but if she were alive, she could talk to Mordo and maybe talk him down from where he goes later. Mm, okay, so it's that's that's requisite so we can turn this into a trilogy mm-hmm. um, plot point. Okay, that's why that's why that's why it kind of. It feels like, why is this here? Yeah, it happens very quick. And, and then it's unclear if it matters. The, yeah. And then it's gone. It's cause, yeah. Because it's not like, well, she's now going to be the, 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 the villain or, you know, uh, because she has been corrupted by that. It's like, nope, nope she's dead. And yeah. that's the thing. She's fine. She's fine. She's handling that dark magic just fine. Yeah. It's just that Mordo gets offended by the idea of it. But yeah. It, it never really lands that like this was a bad thing or it had consequences for her. Mm-hmm. She's just like, nope. I'm cool. The movie doesn't have enough time to take us on, which I could see of like how, um, you know, it's not about the power. It's about what you choose to do with it and that she was using it for good and that Kakilius wants to do something evil with it and all of that. There's probably a, a an extra piece here that could thematically kind of link that in, but it does feel like it's just kind of like not tied down. It's just kind of flapping in mm-hmm. plot. Like uh, it's there and there are like moments where it's like, haha, but you use the dark dimension too. Huh? What? And then she dies and it doesn't matter. And, yeah, it's not that big a deal. I, I agree. I, I think that is one of my least favorite things about this movie. But I do really like the beauty of her of her final moment. Yes. And the, the lightning yeah. the lightning bolts that are frozen in time in the yes. sky and the the, the as the uh, as the snow or rain or whatever it is, thunder snow is snow, coming down. Yeah. Uh is uh is that that part is great. And then and that moment where where um she he takes her hand and then we, we cut to him and then we pan down and she's gone. Is I love that, and then we then they cut back, and there's the beeping in the you know in the of the EKG or whatever, and she's died on the table, um, and I keep wanting it to cut back and have uh, Stephen Strange like flop to the floor and be like oh like he's boneless or something. They don't show it, us that part. This is that's one of my favorite scenes in anything. I I just think it's beautifully like the way they shot it was beautiful. The, you know, the lightning, the, the snow, the helicopter, the woman in the foreground pouring, I don't know, water out of a water bottle or something. Um, and how dark it is. Like, it's just such a good scene. And it's this, this contrast of how chaotic everything is in that operating room and everything here is kind of slow and intense and dark but also like this this beautiful like how many 
I can count the number of people who I wish I could have one of those last conversations with. Right. And it just, I don't know, it gets me every time I watch it. Like, I don't, I'm not like a blubbering mess watching it, but I feel like there's such beauty in everything that's going on in that scene. I just, I love it so much, so much. Yeah, this movie isn't really interested. It has pyrotechnics and it has, you know, fights and, and things, but I like that it's it's a more thoughtful film than a lot of the other Marvel films. It, it has that beautiful elegiac scene and it has a an unusually thoughtful climactic battle. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things that happens next that I really like structurally in this movie yeah. is they the, their next stop is Hong Kong, because we've been told that there are the three different places that you can... Strange, uh, strangely, the three places are all in the Northern Hemisphere, too. Yeah. That, I, that seems a little weird for creating your global Yeah, London and New York evil. are awfully close to each other, too. You'd think they would yeah, be a little Yeah, it's like, come on, guys, but, space them out. But it's it's clearly, it's where the first Sorcerer Supremes, like, had real estate or something. You know, it's, yeah. It's like, really? They're not they going to put one trust. in South There's America, like, Africa, Australia? Or something happened there. Yeah. I don't know. But oh, they go there, and instead of going there to stop what's going to happen yes, what they do this, is they go there it. and it's too late like they go there yeah. wong is dead the uh, hong kong sanctum is destroyed the dark dimension is in the sky dormammu is coming everything so is ruined yeah i i think i'm i'm down on this movie uh more than than the rest of you but i i like the, the final uh kind of act of the movie because i feel like it does so many things that i did not expect uh and it is so different from kind of paint by numbers movie plotting because yeah they show up and it's like oh yeah we've already lost he's got the eye of agamotto he has the ability to wind back time and we have another great visual of everything flying backward um, <laughs> winds time back to a certain point and saves wong and all of that uh but then realizes and he gets an idea through dialogue he's like "Ooh, that's a good idea and he decides uh, based on a warning that Wong gave him earlier about how you can't, if you screw up using the Eye of Akimoto, you could trap yourself in a time loop forever. He creates a time loop. Uh, he goes into the Dark Dimension, creates, starts a time loop going, and then confronts Dormammu. And uh, that is where we get our wonderful Dormammu, I've come to bargain uh, se- sequence where he ki- Dormammu does not want to talk to Doctor Strange and kills him in dozens of different ways, but time keeps looping and it finally drives Dormammu crazy where he's like, ah, how do I get out of this? And he's like, well, we- I told you, we've I've come to bargain. He's like, whoa, and he kills him again. And he's like, all right, <laughs> okay, we can, I can keep doing this and we'll both be here forever. This is, I think this is by far my favorite part about the movie because I mean, I guess there's still violence and we see Stephen Strange killed over and over again in different ways but there's not a giant drag out fight uh steven strange basically talks his way out of the world ending um it's also funny that dormammu is also played by benedict cumberbatch um so that, that's, <laughs> that's i, I think that's that's genius um yeah the whole movie steven strange's worst enemy all throughout the movie is himself yep. and this is the story of a man battling his own ego so it, it's kind of brilliant that they have the same actor play you know the the big glowery all-consuming everything belongs to me voice in the sky and, and i love that you know at the beginning of the movie they establish strange wouldn't take cases that he thought he might fail on and now you know he's gone through enough of a journey through the course of the movie that now he is willing to die over and over and over again to lose eternally just to save someone else 
I just I the logic that a horrible like ethereal force that basically kind of like it's his thing is that he wants to like end time and it's like wow that that is totally you would tr- trick that creature by trapping them in a time loop there's just something very satisfying to me about that like how how would a thing that ends time have any idea to be on the watch for time loops that would just that would be that's totally using their, its weakness against it I, uh, I don't know if that's very satisfying to me and the um what what Lauren said to me while we were watching this is. I she said I'm a sucker for a movie where the brawny you know force the powerful force is beaten by somebody who's clever, and that is not always how these movies end. But that's how this movie ends. Is um, Doctor Strange uses some kind of intuition, but it's also kind of almost counterintuitive to just like yeah, hey Dormammu, uh, so God, how do you be, how do you beat a god? And the answer is you put him in a time loop that he can't get out of until he he gets so frustrated that he says fine whatever and <laughs> goes away. <laughs> so that's yeah. so great. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, you annoy the villain into submission, <laughs> and then they go back, and it's not like now there's going to be the drag out fight with Mads Mikkelsen forever. It's like nope, because because I've made a deal with your god, you you have to leave now. That's it. The movie's over. Sorry, Mads. <laughs> so, Nathan, I skipped over, and we, we need to talk about it. The uh, All of us, not just not just Nathan, but Nathan mentioned it, and I, I know I was mentioning it, too. Um, before the confrontation with Dormammu, there is this fight scene in Hong Kong, and the way it works is Dr. Strange is winding time back because he wants the all the destruction that's happening in Hong Kong to stop. And so he winds time back, and so time is slowly kind of playing backward this destruction that we haven't seen, right? Because we, we see... Uh, it where there is, you know, I guess we see it before and then we see some some of the destruction. He winds it back. But the bad guys and the good guys who are magical are basically able to keep moving forward. And we end up with this whole big fight scene the that is the essentially the big final fight in the movie, big final action sequence, where a, a battle is mo- going on with people moving forward in time while everything around them is moving backward, which means that they can actually like throw people into the wall of a crumbled building and then they're covered by the wall as it uncrumbles. And it's so cool. It is, yeah. it is. This is the one thing more than anything else that I tell people when I uh, when I say that this is a good movie is I have never seen anything like that scene. It's so clever. And I, you know, it is so rare to have something so novel as a scene like that. I like that the uh, the Jason Snell test for is it a good movie is does Mad Mickelson get bricked into a wall? It's, it's, he has been Check. waiting for years and years to finally find a good movie, and today is that day. It's it's like uh, the Cask of Amontillado, except backward or something. I don't know. You know, it's a it's a, it's the the elegance of this system is in its simplicity. Sure. So, and who can so, who can critique that system? And Nathan, this. This is what you were talking about too, right? The, the time moving backward while they fight forward. Yes, and, and two things I really love about the scene: one, Michael Giacchino's music includes backward masked music yeah. as part of the score, which is so clever. Um, and also, it again it ties in thematically with who Strange is. What does a doctor do? He repairs damage. You see all these people suffering horrible accidents, but then as a result of Strange rewinding time, it never happens. They, they, he he puts them right. He mends their injuries. So I really liked that that reinforcement of the fact he's a doctor. There's a moment where um, somebody's hit and is on the ground, and they're on the ground next to somebody who's like a it, it, basically like a dead body laying on the ground. And as they're laying there, the body 
gets up and flies through the air in through the window of a car, which uncrashes yeah. and moves backward. And it's like, oh my God, like <laughs> it's just, ah, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a spectacle. Um, and yeah, it's that, it, that's really good. I think it's, I think it's a, a brilliant piece of work and that like, if I hadn't seen, um, Inception, all the other stuff, which is still good, and it's more wacky than Inception, uh, I would have been completely blown away by. It. But instead, it's like it's sort of like how the Matrix influenced later movies. It's like I see where you're taking Inception and you're taking it to another level. But this scene, just like that, yeah, it blows me away every time I watch it. Just I'm, I'm kind of giddy with laughter about like just how what a great idea, what a strange and great idea for uh, a, a scene in a movie to have them fighting forward well through time executed. rolling backward yeah really well done but all the details i mean when you watch it a second time you realize there are a few shots that are like here's the father and the kids sitting at the table where it's like well we need to show you this now <laughs> <laughs> so that when it can then roll it forward and then roll it back and then show it to you at the end it's like the, the shot seems extraneous right now but we're actually setting the geography of this scene in and its placement in time but um, it's still really just really well done. Um, and after the Dormammu confront- confrontation, when Dormammu's finally like, all right, you win. You've, bo- you've, you've annoyed me uh, enough that I give up. Um, th- then uh, he just kind of like plops back behind <laughs> Mads Mikkelsen and it's a surprise. And uh, Mads Mikkelsen and his buddies are uh, sucked away into the dark dimension Turned into uh, the mindless ones from the comics. Yep, you're not going to like it. And I love that the hero wins by giving the villain everything he wanted yeah. in the worst possible way. It's kind of what I love about Squirrel Girl, too, is Squirrel Girl solves problems by talking, <laughs> basically. Mm-hmm. She's not violent. And so I appreciate kind of seeing th- that characteristic in this character in this movie. Oh, I should mention earlier on when he kills that guy uh, through the zapping from the uh, from the paddles in the operating room. Um, he's he's like when when he kills guys, he's upset about it. Like he's a doctor. He said he calls out in in dialogue. He says, "I took an oath to save people." That's why one reason he doesn't want to be a warrior. He's like, "I want to save people. I don't want to kill people." And I killed that guy. And I don't like it. That's that's not good. And I like that in our hero too. I mean, he does end up being the uh, you know master of the mystic arts and all that. But I like that he's trying to honor as arrogant as he is, as much as it is about him. He also took an oath and actually, you know, even with all his magical powers, he does believe it. He is a doctor. He does not want to cause harm to people if he can help it. And that's not something you always see in a in a superhero movie. I think. It's a good thing he didn't take the robot oath because he did. There was the inaction when he was mm. like, that's too boring. But, you know, he took the Hippocratic oath instead. So that's yeah. a good thing. That's right. Laws of robotics do not apply to wizards. <laughs> Except for robot wizards. Thank you, Tony. You were going to say that, weren't you? Except yeah. For robot you, know, you know, I'm I'm very predictable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, he's a ha, but what about the robot wizards? Yeah, you're right. You're right. You got me. You got me. <laughs> Spoilers for the next season of Gamble World. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. After all is said and done, um, Chiwetel Ojiofor, who, speaking of actors who are great and don't have a lot to do, have a few good scenes, but are not in it as much as you know you you might like um he as mordo he's like this is not good i don't like what's going on here i don't like that the that the ancient one was taking 
power from a dark dimension and you're all you wound back time and I don't approve and I'm out of here. Um, and that's it. Basically, Stephen Strange is now in charge of the New York Sanctum. He is the Doctor Strange from the comics. He stands in front of that window. He's on got his little mansion on Bleecker Street. Isn't it great? And that's the end of the movie. And then we get two uh, credit scenes. A mid-credit scene is literally right out of Thor Ragnarok, and so we'll talk about it next week too. Where Thor is visiting Doctor Strange and saying, "You need to help me find Loki," and and Doctor Strange gives him a sort of infinitely refilling beer stein. Um, which I would take. I would take one of those. And uh, in the last scene, uh, we go back to Benjamin Bratt, who is Pangborn, and he's working, and Mordo appears and steals his magic, rendering him paralyzed again, because Mordo says, too many sorcerers. And that's but the come end of the on, movie. Mordo. You go after the one guy who's not using his magic know, power right? except to walk? Oh, he's doing so much damage with that walking upright. What a jerk. Easy target. Where I mean, where do you start? You pick the easy target. And then you work your way up as you gain experience. He, well, there was some line about his magic being somehow extra important in magic, even if he's not using it day to day, right? Isn't there, wasn't there something where he's like manipulating the fabric of reality or something? I, I can't decide whether Chiwetel Ejiofor is excellent at being a villain who seems almost sympathetic or as a hero who you know is not quite heroic because uh, he he's very good at walking that line i'm thinking of in serenity the firefly movie he is the he is the villain and yet strangely sympathetic throughout and uh and here i feel that with mordo is like mordo he's like on our side but uh, something wrong there i don't know he's great i love i love it i mean so many good actors in this movie that's one of the funny things about it is it is so well cast i think so we said this on other podcasts in this series, and I think we're going to probably say it next week about Ragnarok as well. The idea that um, at some point Marvel is so successful that they realize they need to change up the tone. We, I know we talked about it with mm-hmm. Ant-Man. Like, you can't make every movie the same. And this is a good movie that I, I think at, that is not like every other movie, just like Ant-Man's not like every other Marvel movie, just like Thor Ragnarok is not like every other Marvel movie. And I think that that is one of the the, the clever things they do is, is, is change it up and have them feel a little bit different and um and the and they can get they can cast whoever they want so they've got a great cast but then they tell a story that's a little bit different instead of the same superhero template over and over again and i i like that about it it's hard that it's still saving the world i I guess that's the thing i mean i feel like they shake that up with some of the other movies that i like is the stakes stakes are different ant-man doesn't have those stakes right yeah and and spider-man homecoming uh i I like that a lot about that one it's the stakes are very different will the academic decathlon (laughs) make it home yes yeah will he make it to that dance um yeah uh so yeah it's it's unfortunate that the the metric is still will we save the world or not and it's just what what vector are we saving the world from is is how we change it because it's like really the, the, nobody thought to call the Avengers when Hong Kong is like getting totally destroyed, and I guess the answer is no. Nope. But it's magic. There, there was some time. Is, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, it still seems like a city block got tore up, tore up real good. But um, then time got rewound, and so then that it, it never actually happened. So yeah. no one called the Avengers. I guess. Um, so it, it, I, I, I get it. I just, it's, it's unfortunate. It's still saving the world. Um, it's, it's still the, the, the way, the thing that you have to do to be a hero. No, I'm, it's all, interesting. I'm okay with it in this case, but yeah, I see your point. And it's interesting to me. I never remember who the big bad is in this movie until I get about <laughs> halfway through and I'm like, Oh yeah. It's like that purple astral being <laughs> thing. Oh, yeah. Got it. Like, you know, because it's, 
that's such like the big bad in this movie is such like an ancillary plot point uh-huh. really that they could they could not even have that they could just have you know mads being bizarro <laughs> rampagey dude and it would be like it, it would still be i would still like the movie what you know? i like about um dormammu who is a more more of a character in the comics right but but i think is done really well here as this force I really like the idea of, and Ghostbusters does this, one of my favorite movies, of um, people, there's stuff people shouldn't mess with, like human beings shouldn't mess with. Gods are going to look down on you as like ants. They they don't care about you. And when you get into magic, the magicians touched on this, the books and the movie or the TV show too has a little bit like that people messing around with magic i like that storyline which is basically like you have no idea what's out there and it's way more powerful than any of us are and you don't want to make it angry and that was why i think dormammu ends up being good because it's in a way it's not even the story because it's not it's not like dormammu is plotting to destroy the earth it's that mads mickelson right he is the sucker who tries to summon dormammu who's going to eat the earth and so in the end you know Doctor Strange basically has to say, Dormammu, no, 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 never mind, just take him and leave, and they work it out. And I just, I like that. I, I, that's what, one of the things I like about magic stories like this is that, that creepy idea, like there's something we don't even understand, and you don't want to make it angry, because it could, could destroy all of us. And that's, and it doesn't need to be a character, right? In the comics, Dormammu is like a guy. <laughs> with flames and stuff uh, on his head. Um, that's, that's really disappointing. And it's not, not necessary at all. It's kind of that Lovecraftian yeah. cosmic well, pay, pay no attention to the guy behind the curtain. Well, yeah. But Galactus is like a 200-yard guy in a purple outfit with, with like a tuning fork over his head, too. And that's a classic comic book villain that you could never visualize properly yeah. in a movie. Mm-hmm. So, best not. And try. how many superhero films can you honestly say that the third act is the best part of the movie? Hmm. I like that about this ah, film. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point. So, Tony, you said you were kind of, uh, you were less enthusiastic about it than the rest yeah. of us. What, what's your uh, overall? Uh, you know, I think this one, I think you, you sold me a little bit. I mean, I think this is probably still in my, like, bottom 50% of Marvel movies. Uh, <gasps> I, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe <laughs> I'm wrong. I mean, I'm not saying I hate it. I, I'm not saying I'll never watch it again. I've seen it twice now. Uh, I enjoy it okay. Um, it's hard, I think, because it comes out in proximity to that trifecta of uh spider-man homecoming thor ragnarok and black panther which are like three of my favorite that i could watch over Mm. and over again so it it feels like it's 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 not at that level but i so what i'm saying is this is not my favorite marvel movie ever um and i don't know i think it's it's kind of in the middle of the pack it's it's way better than hulk have i said that (laughs) wow Big, hey, you made me watch Hulk. Big words there. <laughs> big words, Tony. I don't remember. That yeah. was at the beginning of the Summer of Marvel. I don't even remember what we were doing. If only then. there was a recording. No, um, I, I I, don't know where I would rank it. I do not have a list that I'm doing, but I, I would put it pretty high because I, I, I think there's a, uh, a warm spot in my heart for these movies that feel like Marvel is, like I've said already on this episode, pushing against kind of like the the superhero movie box and saying what if we did and as we said what if we did a heist movie uh with ant-man and what if we did a paranoid uh government conspiracy thing like winter soldier and what if we did 
you know, a weird sci-fi like Guardians of the Galaxy or a super weird sci-fi fantasy like Thor Ragnarok. And in there, I think, is Doctor Strange, which is here's here's this strange, trippy magic movie. Um, and uh, so I, I like it. Aline, what uh, what are your overall feelings about Doctor Strange? This, this is another one that I have a soft spot for. So I... I as I said on the Captain America, when we talked about the first two Captain America movies, I love those movies. I love this movie. I love Black Panther. Like, I think it's it's pretty high up there. If I have to rank the Marvel movies, please don't make me rank the Marvel movies. Now that's a later um, episode. We'll do that, but not yet. <laughs> um, but I I love this, and it's not it's not for the big plot. You know, like I said, I always forget who the big bad is. It's mm-hmm. for those, those really neat moments. It's, it's a visually stunning movie. It's one of the few movies where, um, I can actually sit down and watch it as opposed to sitting down and doing something while I'm watching it because there's so much going on. There's so much to see. And my ADD brain really appreciates that. Um, and then it has these really cool, character beats and these really cool like that scene we talked about before with um with dr strange and um the sorceress just standing there watching the snowfall and watching the lightning strike these beautiful scenes kind of grab me and i really really appreciate it for that you know like i would take this movie over like any of the avengers movies in probably the iron man movies you know like i'll be clear that the avenger movies are just like i'm not if i had to sit down and rank them which sounds kind of like a chore it's like well i know what'll be at like the bottom three right that's easy yeah so so, um but but i I come back to this movie quite a bit especially since it's on netflix because i could just put it on and i don't care um but yeah i i I really enjoy it um maybe not like if you sit down like we have and picked it apart it's maybe not the strongest movie but i do enjoy it all right and nathan how how do you feel about Doctor Strange overall. This one's kind of a sleeper for me. Um, you know, I, I I watch it, I really enjoy it, then I forget how much I enjoyed it until I watch it again. Um, it's one of the few Marvel movies I don't own, and I honestly couldn't tell you why, because it's got a great cast, it's got tons of cool visuals, and and I love, like I said, the, the strong thematic character-driven writing and all the clever symbolism all throughout that all ties back into who Stephen Strange is and where he, he is on his journey at that point. I mean, the wristwatches. He's obsessed with wristwatches, and and the whole idea there are more circles in this film than any film since the Hudsucker proxy. And did we did we talk about how that watch he kept that watch and it was the one that that she gave that him. Rachel McAdams, that Rachel McAdams yeah gave yeah, gave to him and it was smashed it. and he kept and he kept it yeah. Yeah, which that belies a little bit of his, you know, obviously it meant something to him even in his throughout like that she gave it to him even when it was broken he kept it. Um, that that was again. You could argue a very short shorthand for something because she's not in the movie a lot, but it is a good touch. I think. Yeah, it's almost too good at, at too on the nose sometimes in in how it portrays Strange's character, and yet I don't know. I still find it very satisfying. Before we go, how do people feel about the um, the visualization of magic in this? Because one of the things that I, I think is very clever is the way Tilda Swinton describes it is you could call it a program. You know, that the idea that it's like we are manipulating energy from parallel universes. It's the very quick sort of like, well, what is magic? And she's like, I got, you know, we... 
we could give it a modern explanation if you wanted, which is this, and you use your hands and there are, and you're tracing out kind of light. And then they have those like circles, uh, light, like light circles around your fists and stuff, which is right out of the comic books. Um, how, how do people feel about that visualization of, of magic? It's clever. I like the physicality of it. I, I like the, the mandala patterns that they use and how that kind of emphasizes that it's a system and there's order to it and precision. Uh, I thought it was well realized. It could have just been a bunch of glowy lights being thrown at one another, <laughs> and they they took the time to do something smart and artistic with it. Yeah, yeah, I like it too, and i I do like that it it kind of feels a little bit programmatic. Um, I I was thinking in that last scene, well, in the the scene with the big bad, where uh, I was like, if you don't debug your if then loops, then you're going to end up doing this forever. It's an and, infinite loop. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I I do appreciate that. Yeah, it's um I will take this kind of magic where there's a physicality to it in this movie and in the, in the Magicians, the TV series, over as much as I love it over Harry Potter where people are just holding wands and saying things in Latin. Like I really prefer the kind of visual and moving your hands and having to get the the gestures right and all of that. I, I like that. There's a very cinematic way of getting magic use out there. I think it works. I think it looks really good. Um, I'm glad they kind of took a cue from Steve Ditko and and the original comics. And- the only thing is, I was I had this visualization. I haven't sought out any clips before they added all of the light effects for the for the magic. But I was just thinking about like on set as they were doing this stuff. Like, okay, I want you to run, and I want you to hold one hand out and and make a circle, and I want you to hold the other one kind of steady, and I want you to look really intense. How? Like, how did that feel for them doing that while they were acting out these scenes? Because it had to have looked pretty ridiculous with a green scheme. It's part of the charm that they, especially the sling ring, they do kind of look stupid. Yeah. But you just go with it because it's fun. And it's funny to see super dignified Benedict Cumberbatch doing that kind of ridiculous stuff. Well, that's because he's an American in this movie, an American. (laughs) Um, Well, I would like uh, to thank my panel for being in this episode and talking about Doctor Strange. The summer of Marvel continues. So many movies can't believe it how would how would you even rank them there are too many to be ranked. i'm working on it it's it's hard it's, it's not a good chore it's a yeah. difficult difficult chore uh tony Siddler, thanks for being here thank you for having me jason goodbye nerds aline sims thank you the artifact chooses the sorcerer harry mm. Mm. <laughs> and nathan alderman thank you the bill always comes due jason the mm. bill always comes it, due it does no too many sorcerers uh and i have been your host jason snell we will be back next week to talk about thor ragnarok verily indeed we shall discuss thor i don't know i'm not doing my thor tonight anyway uh thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of the incomparable we'll see you next week Oh, we didn't talk about Batman. I watched a Batman movie for this, oh, Jason. Oh, no. <laughs> and you didn't. I, I really like Batman Begins. Uh, it, it might be my favorite Batman movie. Um, I, and I, I don't know if this is widely known, but I think so, is that it started out originally that screenplay was like a Doctor Strange uh, screenplay. Mm-hmm. And it when you know that, you kind of can not stop seeing that the whole yeah. like Batman origin is so he goes to the Himalayas to a monastery and he learns the the ways of this organization and then he returns as a hero it's like oh yeah it is the Doctor Strange movie isn't yeah. it 
And there's some, and we we even kind of later in other the other Christopher Nolan movies, we realize there's some complications within the League of Assassins about mm, uh, different philosophies for who gets to live and die. Uh, yeah, I, I'm rewatching it. Yeah, that it. You know, I mean, maybe there's only so many different ways to do a training montage about life in a strange, hard to find academy in Asia somewhere. Uh, but yeah, I, I definitely felt that that you could. There was a lot of uh, a lot of Doctor Strange bits in there uh, that I had forgotten about because I don't think I had seen Batman Begins recently. So thank you for making me watch two movies. To You're talk welcome. About I got for this I, one podcast. Yeah. I, well, you know, more Batman for you. How bad could it be? Yeah. How bad could it be? <laughs> 